Hello and welcome. This is the Reinforced Running Podcast where we talk about running and OCR and usually a whole bunch of other stuff, but mostly just like running and OCR. My name is Rich Ryan. Today we have a dynamic guest. Her name is Bethany McChesney and Bethany is a Spartan Pro Team member, a gym owner, podcast host, and mom. She does a lot. So we talk about a lot. And we talk about how to train for high rocks and DecaFit events. We talk about how to boil down the adaptations that you need to help create the ability to overcome your limiters. And we touch on mental health side of performance and life in general and just talking about balance. It was a really great, honest, open conversation. Really enjoyed it. Um, Bethany was awesome. So make sure to give her a follow and listen to her on her podcast called OFX. But first listen to this podcast. Here we go. Bethany McChesney. I appreciate you jump, jumping on today. Uh, you first came on uh, my radar, honestly, during OCR stars. And that was a really kind of cool virtual competition. And I saw that you were really at the top of the field, pretty much the entire time with like really consistent effort all the way through and, and started to follow you a little bit from there. And, and I know you're kind of in that hybrid athlete space, which is um, just like a, a much cooler way to referred to a, an OCR athlete, I guess, but, um, very much like in that strength world and also an, an endurance athlete as well. And you just came off of the high rocks virtual competition, right? Yes, I did that this weekend. Yeah, that was really fun. Yeah. How was it? There was, that was kind of interesting because it was three events in one day, which I thought was kind of cool. Yeah, actually I really liked that. So they, they wanted to give people the feeling of what it's like to do a high rocks and just that total body fatigue, which is why they wanted to do the three workouts all in one day. But I loved it that way. You just kind of get everything done in one day. And it is fatiguing to do all three. And it's kind of the battle of attrition. So how much legs can you keep till the end? So I enjoyed it that way. Because it started off, yeah. So let's just run through it real quick. Because I haven't talked to anybody yeah. really about it who's, who's done the full thing. I saw it and it was on my radar but I'm dealing with some sort of like hip glute situation. So like running all out was like out of the question. So yeah. I, was, I was instantly out. So it started with like a full out, like two mile, 3,200 meter, right? And then there was yeah. Like workouts. Yeah, two mile. So yeah, there was the body weight and the equipment. So they're a bit different, but the equipment one, which I did. So both of them had a two mile or a 3,200 meter um, time trial. And then there was a 15 minute um, rep challenge in a way. So you had, you had rowing and wall balls. Mm. And then the last one was, um, basically a dumbbell workout. So you had 30 hand release pushups, 60 devils press with a dumbbell, and then, um, 90 forward lunges with two dumbbells. So hmm. for time. Like the, and the weight was like moderate weight, right? Nothing was like insane. Like the dumbbells were pretty, pretty handleable. Yeah. Very, very moderate weight. Yeah. We only had 20 pound dumbbells, which is pretty, pretty low for high rock stuff. But that can make it a burner, you know, when those weights get lower, like single arm, like devil's press, that's just like an all out go when it's that light. Yeah. You just have to, you just go fast, but it, yeah, it is a burner and the reps were pretty high. So I I guess if the weight was a a little bit more, it'd be quite a different story, but they, I think they wanted to just it, it to be manageable for the majority of the population just to get more numbers in. And you figure you have to just kind of assume like what people might have, you know, and depending on the gender, what it was the male weight? 35. 35. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even for someone to have like a 50 pound dumbbell at home, probably not. You're probably more likely to have something a little bit lighter. Yeah. Everybody has 20s, 20. Everybody has those lying around, I think. Or or like your neighbor has one. Yeah. (laughs) You can borrow one. Um, Was there time? Did you have to... Like, could you do the run and then did the next one have to be done in a certain amount of time? Or could you have like done the run at like 7 a.m., taken a three hour nap, do another workout and then like expand it through the whole day? Or was it like, did it need to be done in like a four hour period or something? No, you had, you had 24 hours. So Hmm. you could have done one at 5 a.m. and then next one lunch and you could have done the next one at 10 p.m if you wanted so you had a 24-hour window to do your workouts in yeah so you could spread it out however you want and you could switch the order of the workouts too so there could have been some strategy in that depending Hmm. why did you do it and so you why did you do it the way that you did it and i'm I'm just diving in on this and i think this is important information because 
you know, I'm optimistic that races will happen by the end of this year, but uh, this might be our reality and we might have to do multi-event single day things um, in the future. So I'd like to hear kind of like how you thought about going about all of this. Um, so like, yeah, why did you decide to do it? So you did two mile, then the wall yeah. ball workout, then the, mm-hmm. the, um, the last one. finisher. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, running is my strength. Um, so I did do it first because I knew if I was going to get a high score on something, it was probably going to be the running one. So I wanted to do that one on the freshest legs possible. So I did that one first. Um, and then the, the next two, I knew that the last workout with the dumbbells, I, I, I could do it fast no matter if I had tired legs or not. Mm. Um, you just don't, I just, I was just going to go at it and not stop. That was my goal. But the row and wall ball one with fatigued legs, I would have really suffered on that one because you have to, so the very end of it, so you do a 1K row, 50 wall balls, 1K row, and then max wall balls to the end of the 15 minutes. And that's where your number was going to really count. So if you're going mm. into that with tired legs, then your score could really suffer. So I wanted to do that. That one right after the run and get that one done so as a matter of just like where you thought you could have the most energy and it makes sense to do the run yeah. first even though like even if that is your strongest like mm-hmm. doing it later you probably still have a fair score but just to do an all-out effort like that yeah a lot of time on the table if like you did that wall ball workout before it yeah i just i think if I, to me it made sense for everybody to do even if it's your week event it makes sense to do it first i think you want fresh legs when you're running something so short and fast yeah, totally. And um, yeah, so maybe, so would you do it again? What would you change, you think? Uh, I definitely do it again. I Nobody prefers virtual competitions, but it's what we right. have right now. And it's to give you that feeling of that total suffer, like <laughs> this total body suffering that you just only get when you're in competition mode. Uh, what would I change? There's always things with the scoring stuff that I, I would change. Sometimes I find when they give you your score based on your uh, your placing, it's not always necessarily a good indication of how well you maybe performed because some there's with the, with the displacers that get in the mix and I don't know sometimes um, the percentage so how well you did as a percent of the person who got first is a different way or even if you did because we're all we're ultimately racers so even if you did it in a way where every workout was just a time score and it was a total time thing as if you were racing so you do these things and then you have your time and then you do these things then you have your time so it's like Mm -hmm. you did it all in a race sequence so it might be another way to consider i don't know i everyone's just figuring things out too as we go with these virtual competitions and we're always trying to improve from one to the next and you learn things and so i don't know you just kind of you roll with it it's not nothing's perfect right now so yeah, I like that idea of having it like I never because this was something I would think about a lot with OCR stars as well. And like, I think it's just for simplicity's sake. It's like making it so clear. It's like, okay, you got fourth and then you got fifth. You have nine points. Um, and yeah. just so for everyone just to understand. So like the percentage of things, I think it makes sense more for to see how the who does the best in all of the workouts and who was like the most well-rounded and everything but i think it's just confusing just flat out for people you know it's like it's a it's mad you just kind of have to trust like is this right i guess um but that's interesting the way that you kind of like tying on the times for each thing if you have everything be like a round for completion as opposed to doing like an an amrap um everything there's like rounds for time and having it be the total thing but then you get Mm -hmm. a specialist in there Right. You get someone runs, I don't know, 1030 or something in the two mile. And then yeah. they're, they're so far ahead. But, but that's yeah, how those are always... races too, right? That's so true. you have your runners and they have to make up time on the run because they might be slower at obstacles or carry. So, yeah, that's fair. Like it, it, mm-hmm. it's, and that's what I thought about OCR stars because I mean, running was, is my strong suit as well. So mm-hmm. I, I was like, if we were in a race and then there was obstacles, like, you wouldn't be close to me. Like we wouldn't start <laughs> over when these obstacles start. Like, so that was just, that was just my personal gripe and, I, and we all have those. So, yeah. Um, so when did you start to get into kind of the, the hybrid athlete space? Like you, your background is a, as a runner? Yep. Yeah. So I ran track uh, at university and cross country. I started running competitively, I guess, in high school. So it's been a long time. I'm not young. <laughs> yeah. So. And, then, and the, um, so are you interested in doing like an actual high rocks event? You haven't done one yet. Have you? 
No, I did. Yeah, I oh, did. You did. Yeah, I did one in Chicago. Um, yeah, it was two. Well, there was only a few in North America, so it, I get mixed up with what year. 2019. So, yeah, I don't think I think it was right at the end of 2019 or January 2020. It was January 2020. Yeah, mm -hmm. so I did do one. Yeah, it was. A, I uh, I'm not super strong, so I, it was a good way for me to really focus on strength building in the off season. So it was really fun. And with 20. And with 2021, if there are going to be high rocks races, what do you think you would need to do in terms of like your training to help build that kind of strength and still have the, the advantage that you do have as a runner? Like how have you kind of put that in, in practice? Is that something you're going to try to continue to build toward B build towards races or build towards high rocks, high rocks? Yeah. So I don't know if I would like, I don't think high rocks would ever be my focus. Uh, OCR would always be my focus, but, um, I have a lot of, I have a lot of balance in my training. Now I do a fair amount of strength work. Just, I find my running, my running is always going to be pretty good. So in some ways I'm, 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 I maintain in running a little bit and I really throw myself more into the gym stuff just to kind of get, you can't have weaknesses in your game. So I really do focus a lot on my weaknesses right now in, in OCR training. If I was jumping into a high rocks, I would actually focus more on just being and the specific movements like high rocks in some ways is easier to train for just because you know exactly what you're training for mm -hmm. so i get on the rower and the skier and i'd be pushing and pulling sleds like crazy so and that's really the only thing that would change that much it's it's kind of nice being a hybrid athlete because so many things just transfer back and forth it's just fine-tuning the little things when you're jumping into different events yeah because that's kind of where i'm at right now in terms of of coaching some athletes trying to figure out how to balance both of those things and like because right now it is no one's like quite all in on high rocks um who who might not be like the top yeah. level athletes right like a hunter or whatever he's all in because it's his like it's built for him but everybody else is going to yeah. kind of jump in and touch and it's like the age groupers or open waivers or you know the sub elites like moderate elite will want to see what it's like but still also do you know some u.s national series races or some canadian Na national series races so like figuring out the Balance is something I'm trying to kind of juggle in my head right now and, and how to have good performance in in both. So like what do you what do you think about that? Like how how would you have some would you would you block periodize it where it's like, okay, we're gonna just focus specifically on high rocks events for eight weeks and then have the event or or would you kind of mix things intermittently in all of the different avenues like with the actual intensity like what do you think what do you think about that so when i trained for high rocks i did take a 10-week block and i focused mm -hmm. on it and again there's so much that transfers back and forth so it's not like i felt like focusing on high rock stuff necessarily takes away from ocr um so the running stuff is the same you're comp you're doing your compromise running training that's the same thing so that transfers back and forth it's just this the movements that are very specific and for high rocks itself i had to get very comfortable with some very heavy weights like mm. that sled is really really heavy and i just i had to get confidence and know that i i can move that weight um and get my body used to that load um but and then but still because ocr is ultimately always my focus like i, I think most people like you said high rock is kind of something that they'll do for a little time and then you kind of come back and you're going back and forth so there's things that i will never i would never go a 10-week block without doing like i would never go 10 weeks without doing grip training Mm -hmm. um, but then within high rocks, you have your farmer's carry. So that kind of gets in a bit of the grip stuff. So, but I would still always be on the rig and I'd still always be working those pull muscles. So, um, yeah, I do block it that way. So it, it's my focus, but I, I always are, there's things that I'll always do once or twice a week still to keep sharp in certain OCR things. That's fair. So essentially kind of putting in some maintenance work. Yeah, kind of things that you know you need, like just to keep it a, like not necessarily sharp, but to be not to lose anything. Or just try to, again, yeah. just try to maintain things. Yeah, because as long as you do, and that's the thing with maintaining, especially if you've been at a certain level a long time, as long as um, you're doing a little bit, you still can maintain that level of fitness. You might not always be getting better, but as long as you can maintain, and then when you switch gears and you do your block again and your 12 weeks for your next OCR race, then you fine tune those things again. 
Yeah, I like that. And 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 it's not it, it has to make it easier to digest then as well. So it's like, hey, we're going to try to do is the, the give you your all for this event that you have coming up, but without mm-hmm. sacrificing the goals that you might have long term. Um, because that is yeah. just now with all these things popping up, it's just hard to prepare for all of them to make sense. And like now they're throwing more stuff at us, like the Spartan Cross deal. It's like, yeah. like okay, like what do I have to do to prepare for for this now? Um, and yeah. like, uh, and what do you think about DecaFit versus High Rocks? Do you think it could just be literally the same thing, and you put in some like med ball sit ups, and like you're good to go? <laughs> so DecaFit is definitely more for just about anybody the weights are much more manageable um anybody could do deck fit you could get anyone in your gym right now to do deck fit right whereas high rocks uh in my i don't a lot of my clients could not move that weight mm-hmm. on the sled so it's i think it's quite different i think deck fit um is is much more manageable um and there's the deck fit and there's the deck of strong too right so they deck of strong is actually designed for something that you could use in your gym as a fitness test provided you have all the equipment which is actually kind of a unique set of equipment <laughs> <laughs> yeah get buy one of those tanks it's like just do a deck of strong so, buy one of these or like three thousand dollar sleds or whatever they are um so outside of just the you know the demands for the average person like what the 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 average athlete could participate in say a deca versus a a high rocks like from an athlete who like yourself or um someone who's going to be in the kind of like the elite category like do you think the training would transfer over pretty much or how would you kind of change the training between the two of them and i know like deca hasn't really happened but as somebody who's done some high rocks mm-hmm. events um and is familiar with the gym stuff like how would you go about training for like both of those? Would like you think you'd change much at all? Oh, I probably wouldn't change much at all. No. They're so similar. Yeah, it's a, the the runs and deca are, are shorter, but it's a basically would be the exact same. Everything is exactly just their sit ups in the deca. Yeah, box <laughs> jump overs, those like and like those. Um, I think it's gonna be really painful. I think it's gonna be like really, really hard. A deca um a deck of fit. strong. No, I think, I mean, the deck strong, probably I'm actually going to do one next weekend to see what, what it's all about. But yeah, I think a deck of fit because you are having just that 500 meter run. I think that that's really going to be a point where you can push really, really hard. Like I wouldn't doubt mm-hmm. the end, the back half of a deck of fit feeling worse than say like a high rocks, just cause something like a sled might slow you down a little bit. Um, and the runs long enough that you can't just like, redline it i would imagine and it's a longer race right it's like over an hour for yeah. so there has to be some element of pacing where deca might only be like mm-hmm. i don't know 30 minutes sure. 40 minutes yeah yeah it's like low 30s for the for the best yeah so yeah it's kind of like racing an 800 versus like a half marathon right just the whole thing hurts right. <laughs> you're just all out yeah so like when you look at the elements like apart from each other like every one of them is is pretty easy like you had mentioned like it's very much open for anybody to kind of come in and, and be able to complete just like an 800 like anybody can probably get off the couch and run a half mile but to run it well yeah. like and to do it at its full capacity it's so hard <laughs> so exactly yeah so i'm guessing it's gonna be pretty similar to that um but it'll be interesting to see how things kind of play out like if these if these events are gonna going to happen because I know some of them are already getting pushed back. Like, a, like they're considering doing, they're still saying they're going to do Dallas and the New York one is no longer on the website as of like this past week. So that might not be happening. So I guess we're just going to have yeah. to going to have to kind of see. I think DECA has, DECA is doing it smart right now though, where they're doing these gym visits. Mm-hmm. So at least it can still get out there in a way because they, they're not relying on, the mass event, the festival event, because you can make it work if you're having a couple hundred people in a gym space that are going in rotating times, you can make that work. So maybe the approach that they're taking might be a little bit smarter right now, considering the climate of the, of North America. So. It's a good idea for branding, you know, to create awareness around mm-hmm. it. Cause if it comes to your gym, at least you've seen it and like, you know what it is. And like, it, like we're high rocks, it's still this foreign thing that people don't not, 
technically yes, foreign, just being from a different country, but also like that you wouldn't see and have any like tangible feeling of just because it's not doing those those visits. So hopefully, when the DECA does start happening, yeah. it'll have a little bit more awareness, and people will just have no problem getting out there and doing it. Yeah, I think it's I think it's something that people will be less intimidated by just because of like I was saying, the more manageable weights and distance. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Kind of along those lines with you as an athlete, um, you know, we talked about you working on strength and also being a, having that running background, but in terms of stature and size, you're not very big, right? <laughs> and, uh, I'm five feet tall. Five feet tall. I, yeah. Uh, five zero. Five zero. Um, so what I like about running is that the size of a person doesn't necessarily matter. You know, it, it all comes down to, power to weight ratio. And like intuitively you might think a taller runner would have an advantage, but it doesn't really play out that way. Um, it doesn't necessarily no. matter. Um, but you know, it's still come down, down to like your aerobic capacity and like, you know, your ability to grit your teeth and go and just like toughness. So there's a lot of things that, that, that the size of your stride, it really doesn't account for like your performance versus anybody else's, but in obstacle course yeah. racing or for high rocks events, um, there might be some advantages or mostly disadvantages for being, um, a little bit shorter, a little bit smaller, but you've done really yeah. well as an athlete this far. I mean, you're on the Spartan pro team and, you know, getting uh, this past year, getting top three at OCR stars top, um, you were seventh at this past high rocks event, which are like, you know, a lot of these strength based events. So yeah, how often, like, was there a barrier when you started to kind of do these events or how often do you, do you consider that as, as part of, uh, who you are as an athlete? So when, um, I was always a runner who would go into the strength room and, and like, I've always done weight. Um, I, I ran competitively, but before that I, I played hockey, uh, I played competitive hockey. So I, I've kind of gone between a lot of different sports where I've never not worked on strength as well. Um, so even as a runner, I still was in the gym. So when I when I started OCR, I had gotten into rock climbing. So obviously the upper body strength was just really weak before. So my biggest barrier, I think, is anything where it takes a lot of upper body strength mm-hmm. or it just takes like a bigger body just makes it easier. Like when you're pulling a sled and you're you can just use your body like I can't just do that. So I, I have had to be very strategic in a lot of ways. Like I, I'm not going to get. I'm not going to get much bigger. Like I'm probably always going to be about this way. I just, I have to get stronger. I'm not going to get taller. I've tried in the past. <laughs> <It> <laughs> Figure that out. No. I've hung upside down and everything before. <laughs> cross it off. And all listeners cross that one off. Doesn't work. It's been yeah, tested. It's not, I mean, yeah. Yeah. I'm probably not going to get another growth spurt. So I'm always going to be five feet tall. So I've just had to be smart with how I train and just do the best that I can. Like I do a lot of strength work and my, like, again, like I was saying, my upper body strength is, is not, especially coming into OCR was just dramatically different than my leg strength. So, um, I have had to do like a fair amount to get caught up in that area. And when you had those, those, like shortcomings with the upper body strength. And I'm sure like, you know, you probably don't have very big hands and like with doing grip stuff like that, that's also something to consider as well. So yeah, did when you're faced with those, like, was it always that you were determined to improve or what was that like when you realized like, Oh, some of these things are going to be a challenge. Yeah. So I, I guess I've never, there's, you can't change certain things about you. So you just have to figure it out because you, I mean, you look at people too, who we did an interview with um, a lady, Michelle Barnett. She, she only has one arm. So it's not like, she's like, I can't do a dump. I can't do a barbell snatch. She figured it out. So I, I'm short, but I can figure it out. I remember in my first Spartan race, I came up to the monkey bars and I was like three feet away from them. I'm like, how do people get on me? <laughs> like I stood there like totally baffled. And I, I was like, how do I get on the monkey bars? <laughs> like I just couldn't figure it out. And then this girl came behind me and she wasn't super tall. She was taller than me, but most people are. And then she jumped, like really had to run and jump to grab them. So I was like, oh, okay, I guess this is what we do. So 
we, so I just, I have to just be more strategic. And I know that sounds silly. Like, obviously you jump, but they were really far away. And like, I could barely even jump to grab them. So there's just things where now you just accept, like, there's, there has to be more strategy involved with things. I find high walls really, really hard. So I just know there's certain things that I have to figure out a really good strategy to get around it. Like heavy carries are hard for me. Um, so I spend a lot of time doing heavy carry training mm. so when it's not as much of a shock to my system but yeah like my hands aren't going to get bigger i'm not going to get taller so i figure it out and i just i i try not to dwell on it i don't i don't talk about my size as being a detriment it just is what it is so you just figure it out and, and that's more of the thing that I, i'm interested in because you could easily just not do ocr right like you'd be like oh well this yeah. is like I'm at a, I'm, sure. yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. at a disadvantage and I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who are like that. And, and they're, they're mm. like, there's a, there has to be some sort of internal conversation to come to that realization that you're like, okay, this is not for me because of the things that I can't control or on your end where it's like, okay, like that wall is higher for me than it is for the person who's literally a foot taller than me. Like, what am I going to do to kind mm -hmm. of figure that out? And I would like to kind of dive in a little bit on some of those strategies that you have, but was that a conversation that you had with yourself? Like, oh, maybe I'll do something else. <laughs> or were you just like, or were you determined from the jump? Uh, I've probably always been really determined by things that maybe people would assume that I'm not good at because I'm small. It almost, because there's been things too where people have said, oh, you're probably just not going to be very good at this. And I'm like, excuse me. <laughs> I'm going to figure it out. And then I guess it's just that desire to prove people wrong sometimes. Mm. Um, so I think that's kind of a part of me. Um, so, but there have been times when I have had moments where I was like, man, like maybe I'm just not meant for this. <laughs> like pulling the sled at high rocks. I had a moment where I was like, maybe I'm not meant to do this. Or, and when I finished, I was like, wow, like, I don't know how much better I could have done. But then, like everything, then the next morning you wake up and you're like, I want to figure it no. out. Like, I didn't, I know I can do better. I want to figure it out. And I think that's just in some athletes where you find something that just kind of rocks your world. And you, you have a moment sometimes where you think maybe I'm not built for this. But then it's, it's that thing in you that's just like, no, you, you got to figure it out. Like it's not, you just, you just have to go. It's like going back to the, the drawing board and you work out a strategy and there's a, there's a way. Cause you've seen, you can find someone who's the exact same size as me, who's figured it out. Or you could find someone who's smaller than me, who's figured it out. So you just, you just go at it. And, and in your case, you're now a living example, right? Like, so you can be a, an inspiration to others who might share something similar to that. It's like, okay, well, Bethany's figuring this out and she's dead set on making it happen. So like that to me yeah. is inspirational. So I can also do that. But uh, how would you like, say someone comes into your gym and is like talking in that, in, in that same type of language where they can't because of something that's, that they've been born with or that's out of their control. Like how would you kind of facilitate yeah. that conversation to like, or someone who is the same size as you is thinking about getting into OCR, but yeah. has that like that thing in the back of their head. It's like, well, how am I going to get over that eight foot wall? You know? Yeah. <laughs> so like, how would you kind of have a conversation? It, ha it happens all the time. So people come in and they're like, Oh, I'm too old to do that. Or, Oh, I just, my knees hurt when I run, or I've never been able to do that. I've never, I'm too, a lot of times it has to do with age. Cause again, that's not in your control. We're all getting older. Um, I just always say, I, I promise you, I will find someone who has that exact same situation and they're doing it because you can always find someone who's, who's your age or older, who's crushing it. You can find someone who's my size or smaller, who's crushing it. You'll, if there's a will, if you have the will to do it, you will find a way. And I know that's a cliche, but if, if you want it bad enough, you can. I just think the human body is just so remarkable and people's will is so remarkable and you just, you have to give yourself a chance and it's not, it, it might not happen in your time frame that you want it to happen. It took me three years before I could finish OCR world. Um, but I, I wanted to, and I had a will and I was a, a strong will to figure it out. And it's just, you just work every, 
every single day, you just a little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit better. I have to have really good jumping abilities because I have to be able to jump onto almost every single obstacle. Mm. Okay. So I do an awful lot of plyometrics. Okay. So that's something like, there's just, there's a lot of different things. If you, you really want it, if you want to be able to do it, you'll figure it out. That's interesting because then it's like trying to break it down because yes, like if there's a will, there's a way like, Mm -hmm has to that there has to be action to be taken from that statement and from that will that you're kind of putting forward so it sounds like you're taking that and then you are then trying to figure out what you need to get via training so that you can just do because you can't just come to the wall and be like i wanted to get over this like no matter how bad in that moment like (laughs) if you can't you just can't like like, you can't mentally get over it so like boiling things back down to, and that's a really smart way to go about it was something I wouldn't necessarily even think. It's like, you got to do a lot of jumping. You probably have to jump higher than most of the people out there. So like you have to do plyometric training. You have to work on your like vertical leap where, where I'm six foot tall. And I'm that never something that's going to be in my realm, you know, like for <laughs> yeah. that same reason. Yeah. So like figuring out. What, it's probably not something you've even had to think I have to be able to jump really high. No, nope. Not since like playing yeah. basketball in high school. <laughs> like I haven't thought, like <laughs> yeah. it hasn't mattered in life at all um right (laughs) so like is there a constant evaluation process like all right like what adaptation do i need to create to get over these limiters that might be presenting themselves because i guess that's kind of what we what we all are doing in training but yeah do do you think about that often and, and like boiling things down to really what the what the nuts and bolts are what the fundamentals are that are going to help you kind of overcome these things like what's that process like yeah all the time every time i do any race i obsess over stuff like that like okay i didn't do that very well and then what do i need to do to be able to do that better or i couldn't do that and then what do i have to do i'm always breaking things down that way so what's an example so use let's actually let's do two of them like so for the the high walls um i mean that one's obvious but like because it, it's definitely gonna be hard. Mm-hmm. But when you came out of a race that was just like a bummer or something, or after like the early, early years of this, like, what did you, what did you know you had to do in training? And what did you actually do to like help with that? Okay, so uh, heavy carries really, really destroyed mm-hmm. me. Like, they're at least 50% of my body weight most of the time. And I mean, that's, again, it, it's kind of simple. But the first thing you do is you buy a sandbag. Like in some ways it's not always that complicated. So, and then I, at least once a week, I, I do a really long heavy carry. Like a, it's uncomfortable and you try to use weight that's heavier than the weight you typically would see in races and you vary your terrain. I do a lot of, I do a lot of hiking on the treadmill mm-hmm. at an incline with a sandbag a lot. And sometimes with the bucket as much as I hate the bucket because it's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then the, like wet rigs so when i do training i stick my hand in water and i do rigs so there's stuff like that too um you i i like to try to simulate as close to race stuff as possible when you're getting closer to those races again um and a lot of that has to do also with just your your mental state so i've done this in training so when you come to it it's not foreign you've done this already so you can rely on your um the mental side of things where it's like i've done this i can do this um, I'm trying to think of something else where I've kind of had to figure it out. I, I own a gym, so I do have the ability to put things in my gym that really help. So I have a rig in my gym. Uh, even if I didn't, we, we've built a lot of stuff around my house, even just for various training ideas. So it's just always trying to simulate something as much as I can. Yeah. And sometimes like I've found for my own personal training is that it's just like, I just feel silly doing some of this stuff. <laughs> like, yeah. like, the, like the water example is a perfect example. Like that's a great idea. Like why wouldn't just everybody do pull-ups or rigged work with wet hands? With wet hands. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like, do you, do you just yeah. make it as simple as possible? It's like, Hey, what is the thing here? That is the problem. It's like, okay, lifting heavy sandbags on my shoulders for an extended period. Like I just got to do that. Yeah. Just do it. And it's probably something that you don't want to do because right. it's not fun. Like, I don't want to walk around my neighborhood with a sandbag on my back in the winter, but I do it. <laughs> do you balance it? Do you like, all right, if I do this, then I get to do something I actually like to do. Or does it feel gratifying afterward? Are you like, sweet, that's, that's something I didn't want to do. And now I'm happy I did it. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, this is definitely all that I got it. But yeah. That's cool. And, and so you're also a mom, right? And yeah, yeah. that it seems like you have a lot going on being able to be a, a performer at a high level. You have a gym, um, your mother. So like balance has to be something that is always a struggle and that is definitely mm-hmm. on people's minds a lot, especially in COVID times. Um, I'm sure as parents, yeah. I'm not one, so I can't, I can just speculate on how that feels, mm-hmm. but how, how does like that prioritization of your, your life kind of, uh, like operate? Is it along the same lines as like, Hey, I got, I got to do it. So there's no reason to, or are there bumps and, and barriers along the way in trying to figure out like what matters to most and like what, how to get everything like done? Yeah, I think uh, there's a lot of balancing. Yeah. I have two kids. I run a business. Um, I, I guess in each day I kind of think about what are the three most important things I have to accomplish today? So obviously what at the gym, when there's classes, I have to be there and my training is always a priority. And even when I'm really, really busy, I figure out a way to make it work because I think once you start to find it too many excuses, it just, it's the snowball effect of like, well then the next day or things just, so I, that's always, and then, and then there's family time. So, um, it gets tricky in the week because it is really, really busy, but, uh, that's why I guess I take the weekend sometimes to just focus a lot more on my kids and my family. So Sundays I get my run done really early and then the rest of the day is about the kids. So yeah, I guess in some ways also I have control of my schedule. So I do schedule in training time on purpose in that way. So I don't just, if it happens, it happens sort of thing. It's scheduled into my day. Um, I think one of it's one of the bigger obstacles actually sometimes with being a parent and a mom is, and this is something that may, maybe more when my kids were when I first became a mom is that is the guilt of feeling like, and so I think sometimes people view it as it's selfish. Oh, that's time for you. That's time for you to you know you're out for a run when your kids are home doing this or mm-hmm. whatever or you you got a babysitter so you could go for a run like it's but I think one of the things I've had to realize is it's really not selfish so what I'm what I feel like I'm teaching my kids is that you when you set goals you figure out a way to make it work so and if it's important to you 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 make it work and when you have that goal you that means every day you're out there and you're working hard towards that goal and they see their mom who has these goals and they come to races and they see that you know mommy's on podiums and they've seen the work that I've put in to get to those places so part of it is also you know I've seen her go out and she goes out in snowstorms she gets up early she goes out late and then this is what happens when when mommy does these things, you know, she gets to reap the rewards of it and she, she'll win races. And, um, so I don't think, I think parents have to get past the feeling of it's selfish for me because I think you're teaching your kids some really, really big, important lessons about discipline and goal setting and, um, just chasing your dreams in that way. And I do deal with that a fair bit. Actually, I do. I have a lot of mom clients and they have sometimes a really hard time prioritizing going to a race because it's time away from their kids. But I think it's important for kids to see that. I can't imagine how, how that feeling does kind of settle in 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 like my own Mm -hmm. world, I feel guilty and like, I don't have anything like that. Those, those type of obligations. So like when it, so it makes sense that it's like, you're setting an an example and like living a life that you want, you know, like an example toward your children so that they can also aspire to like set their goals and, and, and then, you know, live a healthy lifestyle. But does it creep back in? Like, or is it, or were you able to just once and for all kind of like push past that feeling and then constantly just be like, no, this is right. This is, this feels right now. Or is it like a reminder that you have to like, be like, nope, I feel guilty now and that's fine, but I need to keep plugging forward. Yeah, there's definitely times when it still creeps in, especially when things are really busy. Sometimes there's back-to-back weekends when it's busy. And my kids are always like, oh, we really miss you. Are you leaving again? And 
like yeah and then but we try to share the experience with them too so that they understand why um so and they they still they feel a bit more a part of it um but yeah there's always guilt that creeps in once in a while too and i i find though then those are sometimes times when maybe you need to evaluate okay am i am i not balancing it with spending enough time with them is, is there a way maybe you know could i shift when i if there was a, some training sessions to make sure like i still can be there at their bedtime or whatever so some the way you feel sometimes could be a trigger to evaluate the situation but if it's just you know it's not always necessarily that something needs to change maybe you just need to take a look at things yeah and i'm sure it's easy to kind of backslide into it and just have the whole kind of thing kind of kind of snowball and just but again just keeping those prior priorities and those goals in, in mind it just has to be hard to kind of juggle that and um so shout out to you <laughs> shout out to you and all the parents <laughs> out there who are still out there making it work and along similar lines i i noticed that you had made a, a post recently that you were really opening up about uh, the mental illness side of things and just kind of being open and, and sharing that and, and a little bit of like your experiences with that. And, and I could imagine that, you know, the, the juggling act that you're having to kind of go through and, and balancing everything as a business owner and a parent and an athlete, and it probably yeah. occupies a lot of space and like the, the fitness aspect of things as well. And mm -hmm. the, like the, the drive to be improvement has to, like, how does that all work in like, and is it all like intertwined? And like, when you start to feel those kind of bouts coming on, are there certain things that trigger them? Or like, what's like that experience been yeah. like with all these things you got going on? Uh, the mental illness piece? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so uh this whole topic could be a whole other podcast oh, a whole a whole series of podcasts it could be its own <laughs> yeah. podcast thing yeah, yeah totally yeah so um how that's kind of played into my life so again i i was a track runner in university and i did struggle pretty seriously with an eating disorder and um and i'm not going to go I, I don't we don't have time to go too far into it but i did and i um it was a few years of just a very serious uh, illness with that and the chronic stress fractures and so I went on for a few years um, and then with that there's usually I mean the depression goes hand in hand with that and then uh, um, so I got help and I got better from that but after kids I did deal very seriously with uh, depression again and and in a in a pretty serious way too so and some of it was postpartum but then it kind of carried over and then life starts to go full force with um i started my business and you're just kind of plowing through life and you're not sleeping much and you're a new mom of two kids and you're just not prioritizing your own health and i don't think until that really happened to me i prioritized my mental health i i'm we're really good at focusing on all of the physical things. We get our training in, we eat right, this, this, all the, the physical things. We get our supplements. and But I was just moving so fast through life, trying to get all my boxes ticked in a day that I never took the time to deal with the mental health piece. Um, yeah, so I was a new parent, I had two little ones, and I just wasn't really prioritizing mental health. And I don't think up to that point, I really understood what that looked like. And as athletes, we're really good at understanding how to prioritize the physical health side of things. So we train, we eat well, we take our supplements. We, um, as a parent, I wasn't really sleeping, but <laughs> that's... Uh, part of prioritizing the physical health as well. Um, and I just, I had to learn how to deal with my mental health. So I did, I did crash pretty hard. Um, and again, I was just burning the candle at both ends and trying to be successful in all these different areas. So yeah, I crashed and um, I dealt with some chronic fatigue stuff and I, I did have to, I did end up having to get help they didn't know really had never properly learned how to deal with a mental illness um 
so yeah and then i i learned some proper coping strategies and just how i do have to learn how to be okay to rest and there's the piece of you don't the perfectionist piece so i don't have to be accomplishing all the time and you have to take rest days and you have to step away from your business and you have to set your phone aside and you your mind your brain as well needs rest or it will crash so i i did have to learn an awful lot about just slowing down sometimes because you just you can't go at Mach 9 all the time or thing or you're if you don't prioritize rest, your body and your mind will make you. So I did have to learn that the hard way. Hmm. Yeah. So it sounds a lot like prioritizing the physical, right? Like you said, making sure you're doing yeah. all of like getting the sleep, getting the, you know, switching up your training, making sure you are getting proper rest. And is it so is it just about kind of creating space in, in your own personal practice of just making sure that there is time where there is nothing, um, which sounds easier than it mm -hmm. really is. So like, how was that? Like trying to like, is that kind of what you do? Just like, okay, this is my time to just be doing nothing. Oh, yeah. This is such a loaded question. Cause there's so many layers to mental illness. I know. Um, <laughs> so, okay. Some of it, yeah, you have to create space because I think sometimes there's things you have to process that when you're just kind of living life, like I get this done and this done and this done, and just going through your checklist all the time, you're never always processing um, things that have happened or things uh, like the way you felt about something. So things you, you're always putting things on the shelf and you're like, I'll deal with this later, I'll deal with this later. Or like you had this fight with this person, I'm gonna deal with this later because I have to get X, Y, and Z done. And those are those things where eventually your shelf can only hold so much and then it crashes. So when, and that's kind of, and that's, and that is simplifying things, but when some of those things that you've put on the shelf are really quite traumatic, um, they hold a lot of weight. And when they crash, at some point, again, you have to deal with it because it does, it does manifest itself in you in some way. And sometimes it's through injury. Sometimes it's through a, a brain injury, which is kind of also what you would consider a mental illness. So you, whatever is those things that you maybe have left undealt with or put on your shelf, you, you do have to take them off and deal with them. So uh, it was learning the strategies to do that, which I didn't really have in place because I'm just a go, go, go kind of person. And that's how I have just typically coped. So there was things, and then, and again, this is the whole range of things that what works for one might not work for other, but there are some similarities with a lot of people. So there's journaling, there's, there's meditation, there's talking to people, but you have, but in some way you do have to sit and spend time with just your thoughts and get things out and, um, yeah, processing certain things, I guess, in some way. And the problem, too, with go-getters is you want it to happen right away. You're like, okay, I'm going to deal with this. And it's um, you can't just check it off like a box like that. So there's a healing piece that has to take place. And that can look very different for a lot of people as well. Um, and, yeah, so and I, there's still things that I have to do all the time to make sure that stays in check. Um, and I still, there's things like journaling and spending time in quiet and meditation. There's some other interesting things that I've got into lately as well, um, like cold submersion training, which does also really help with bringing your body into a state of parasympathetic. Mm. So you're not always in fight and flight. So uh, reducing stress levels and systemic inflammation. Um, yeah, like, again, it's such a loaded question because there's just so many ways that you can deal with it. And I will be honest, when I first was diagnosed with uh, severe depression, I did have to go on medication. I, I don't, I, there's, I know there's sometimes stigma around that too, but I don't think it needs to be. But when, when you're at the very, very bottom, sometimes you need that to get, to get out of just the bottom. Mm -hmm. So you can even be in the place where you can start to actually deal with where you can even be in a place mentally where you can actually cope with things. So, and it makes sense. I, like I'm thinking all these things in terms of like the physical, like as a trainer, it's like, 
doing a, yeah. the medication could be like doing a banded pull up as you tr- are training to get better at pull ups, you know, and all these other little things yeah. that, um, and like you said, it is so loaded. It's like if someone came to you, it's like, how do I get good at OCR? It's like, well, there's a million, <laughs> a million ways to do it. I don't know which way for you yeah. is going to work best. So, um, I appreciate you being open and talking about it mm-hmm. because there are ways that there's going to be strategies that are going to work for different people. And there's probably a lot of things that you've learned that you didn't know existed in, in the past. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and things could just maybe seem like they're like, that might not be helpful for the individual person. Um, but there's something out there that, that could be, so it is important to talk about. So I'm glad that you're, you're open and willing to do yeah. so. Yeah, it is important. I think too, sometimes people think, and this was my misconception, uh, or maybe just not necessarily misconception, it was just maybe what I was in denial for a long time mm-hmm. was I've always thought someone who, because they always say too, well, one of the first things they say when someone's depressed is they, uh, they have a hard time, um, like you have to be active. So one of the best ways to combat depression is to be active. So I'm like, I work out so much in the day. Like, I, how could it possibly be that? Oh, and it's like, and I will always, if maybe if I, if I ran more, this would go away. If I trained more, it would go away. And it was actually quite the opposite. Mm. So, and that's why I mean to what works for one person doesn't work for the other. Because for me, I needed to slow down. Or for some people, it was they have to get, they have to do something and they have to move their body. So. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like it's just it's very different for very for different people. And that was the hard part for me was understanding that the way it was for me was different than it might be for somebody else who deals with depression. I can get out the door and go for a run any day. And but to me, running more was not going to take it away. It wasn't the solution for me. Yeah, it's, it was almost counter mm-hmm. counter to what you needed. Probably digging yeah. in the wrong direction. And yeah, you know, one thing, I, one conversation I try to have with. Um, you know, the, the type a personality athletes who uh, I'm coaching or people who have demanding jobs, demanding lives is like, how is, how does it feel before your workout on a busy day? Is it, are you looking forward to it? Is it something that's going to serve you or does it feel like worse? Like what kind of stress is it like adding on to your life and, and what is it going to serve you and how's it going to serve you? Because you can't just keep stacking it or, um, so like, are there signals that you found for yourself and from the athletes who you coach that like that do arise when it's like, okay, maybe more is not the time now as opposed like that you can see in like your training or just like other, like, like mm-hmm. other aspects that might be out of, out of whack that you, that might pop up. Yeah. For me, um, 99.9% of the time I'm looking forward to training. Mm. It's, it's- um, and, and so I know I'm in a good place when that's the case. If, and there's a different t- type of dread, I guess, when you actually need to take a rest. Like I dread certain workouts, but it's not necessarily like I need to take a rest dread. I think when you feel like your body just can't catch up to the training for, for, and for a period of time, not just you're really fatigued, but or your heart rate's elevated in the morning or you're uh, sometimes like those the hot sweats at night where it's like your your body is just not calming down in between so you're not going into that state of rest and repair in between you're kind of always heightened it's like your body's still always fighting something um then i think that's when when it's been going on for a long time or you're just for some reason you're you're really lacking motivation for an extended period of time. I think that's when you need to. And there's no harm. This is something I've realized too. You're going to be okay. It's better to take three days off at when and rest now than to keep trying to push through it and then it's a three month thing. Mm. So or like a rest day. Like man, I think more athletes just need to learn to take a rest day. Mm-hmm. They can just actually rest and be lazy. It's not like I'm going to take a active rest day and still and do an easy run and lift. <laughs> like yeah. take a rest. <laughs> it's just that like it's definitely the it can be the thing that is going to move the needle the most and be productive. It just doesn't feel productive. <laughs> you know, like running yeah. and it working out feels like something happened because something did happen and like so like taking mm. that rest, there's definitely that barrier there. It's like, well, why I need to, I need to change the way I feel. And the way I'm going to change the way I feel is by like physically doing something and moving around and sweating and changing my physical state. 
So it's mm. tough. <laughs> it's definitely tough to realize like chilling out is going to be like the, the right move. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Talk to me about the cold submersion stuff. The, yeah. and is that, so that's been popularized by like Wim Hof stuff, right? Is that kind of the yeah. same type of deal? Like where, mm-hmm. and, and so just kind of give us like an idea of what that is. Cause I see it. I kind of understand what it's supposed to be doing. And I actually do the, the yeah. Tomo breathing, like the Wim Hof breaths. I do that like every, yeah. every morning actually. And it's awesome. It's like the best way for me to like start my day. Um, oh, good. Yeah, it's great. And again, it's kind of that space. It's like my, my space, my time. It's like where I'm focusing on doing stuff. Um, mm. And it feels awesome. Um, yeah. But the cold submersion that kind of comes along with it, you mentioned it kind of switches that state from kind of that, uh, the the sympathetic to the parasympathetic um yeah so how how does it do that like what what is it what's happening (laughs) yeah so let me explain so and and breath work is is just they go hand in hand right it's like breath work helps you also to bring into a state of parasympathetic so cold submersion has a lot of benefits to it and what when, before I go into the cold tub, I, I do my breath work. So some of it is also because when you're doing that breath work, it's hyperoxygenating your blood. Um, and then also you prepare you prepare your mind at the same time because in some ways you go into the cold tub and, and your body goes into fight or flight initially because it's you're all of a sudden you're in an environment where your body's like, I need to get out. <laughs> like, I'm not supposed to be here. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you kind of, you have to work through that. So then so at about 45 seconds this is what i've done i've realized when i'm wearing my heart rate monitor um you're so you're elevated when you go in and then you're doing your breath work and then usually around 45 seconds it's like your body goes and then it relaxes and then you see your heart rate drop right back into your resting state so the breath work helps you bring you helps to bring you there and then the cold is like is like the doorway into that state of parasympathetic and then you're calm and it's really interesting because your body's fighting it and your mind is fighting it when you first go into the cold tub and then it's like your body says i'm okay and i'm going to be okay and your mind does the same thing and then your body rests so then you've shifted into a state of parasympathetic and that's where in in parasympathetic you're now alkaline and you're uh you're in that rest state so your um they say disease can't survive in parasympathetic um and that's also where your body starts to produce more lymphocytes and white blood cells where you'll kill bacteria and viruses that go into your system when you have those things in place um and then it helps your mind as well so things can heal things heal in a state of parasympathetic so when you're always in fight or flight you're always in sympathetic which a lot of us are um then things aren't healing right and so your body's in a state of acidity as well so that's what the cold tub does so the goal then is to stay in the cold tub for two or three minutes three minutes is typically what i stay in for and then you want to try to fight that shiver so your body's natural reaction to cold now um because it wasn't when you were born is is to create heat through muscle contraction which is that shivering but your body also has another method to produce heat and it's through metabolism and that's actually the burning of white fat to produce heat and you do it through the creation of brown fat which we don't typically have brown fat because we're not usually exposed to cold that much mm-hmm. so through cold submersion training you start to grow that back and then your body can shift to using metabolism to produce heat and then so you're not shivering to produce heat ah so that's how that that's how it becomes more comfortable when you see the 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 Wim Hof stories of like, you know, running barefoot in the snow, doing like a marathon that way, like that it, it's, it's, yeah. it's essentially running off a different fuel source. That is exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's a different heat producing mechanism. So you'll see um, like when Wim comes out of the cold tub, he's sweating. So he's so adapted and he's, he's been doing it for 44 years. Um, he started when he was 17 and he's, 61. I just did a retreat with him, which is I was going to ask. I, I was going to ask if you if you like did <laughs> if you've been doing that kind of stuff cuz like the way you explained yeah. it was like really eloquent like made complete sense. Yeah. Yeah, I just did a little win off weekend. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So he's been doing it for 44 years. So his body is so adapted. So he actually gets hot. Like his his <laughs> his he produces heat when he's in the cold. 
That's insane. I'm not there yet. <laughs> What's the frequency like? Like, is it, are you doing it every, every day? day? Yeah. Every day. You have a cold yeah. tub. Like, how do you set that up? Like, how does it look logistically? I know you're in Canada, but it's not always cold in Canada. Yeah. Um, so I have a, I have a deep freeze. I have a freezer actually. It's in my basement. So it's hooked up. It has a temperature regulator. Mm. So it's, it's plugged into the regulator and there's a thermometer in it. So whenever it goes above a certain temperature, it turns on. So it keeps cold. Got it. So yeah, that, um, every day. And that's, it's pretty easy to convert that. You just need like an old chest freezer, right? And just a temperature regulator and and then it just works like that, huh? Yeah. Easy. Someone was getting rid of it. I, I said I'll take it and now it's in my basement full of water man I did that before for I made like a little kegerator you do the same thing only it's the opposite for you it's not it's very bad for you so I should have kept it and just like <laughs> then moved it into this Wim Hof style tub that's really cool yeah that and like because the, the, the so and then I, the other piece, which again for athletes standpoint it also reduces systemic inflammation. Right. So when we're all recovering from different things, so it's total body. And there's a lot of things that have um, that have a root in inflammation, like a lot of diseases and illnesses and even some mental health sometimes is an inflammatory disease. So when your total body reduction and inflammation can cause it can help with so many health issues. It's like the cherry on top because like it's yeah, because I'm sure that there would be physical benefits, but like just the the mental benefit behind everything and, all, mm-hmm. and like moving into parasympathetic will, will probably make you perform better just from a recovery standpoint. But if it yeah. can reduce inflammation, sweet. <laughs> like, yeah. Definitely, definitely. Have you found, are, I, I, has your performance improved in any noticeable way that you can kind of attribute to stuff like this from the physical I don't know. It's hard because there hasn't been a whole lot of performance type things. Like <laughs> gauge. I don't know. Um, I do find I recover a lot better. There's also, uh, I find with cold training too, you get more comfortable being really uncomfortable because you are always putting yourself into an uncomfortable place every day. And we do that with training, but I think in some ways we become really comfortable being uncomfortable in training, but this is like a whole other environment where you're teaching your body to be comfortable in. So it's just kind of expanding those, the environments that we can be comfortable. So I think it helps almost more so with the mental side of performance. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. It does. It makes total sense. Like it just mm-hmm. gives you that little edge to prepare for say something like Tahoe, right? Where you know it's gonna be cold, you're gonna get in the mm-hmm. water, but you do it, you've done it. So you're not, you're not so yeah. worried that that's, that's what's going to happen. Uh, yeah. You don't panic. Right. That'll be interesting to kind of trace to see if it, if you are getting, I mean, the physical benefits, it's going to be hard to kind of point to just that as, as training progresses, but yeah, um, just overall mm-hmm. well-being sounds like that's going to be the, the main benefit from that. Exactly. Yeah. Um, very cool. So what are the goals this year? What do you got going on? If, if the season happens, um, I know you guys can't leave right now, right? Like what's it? What's correct? Okay. Um. So, what's your goal? Like, save things open up. Like, what? What? What does twenty twenty one ideally look like for you from this point out? Okay. So let's imagine that we can cross the border and all races happen, mm-hmm. right? Um. So my goal would be so same as twenty twenty's goals were. Uh, I was to do the Canadian series, and I want to be the Canadian series champ. Um. We had three races in that series, so I think I, we, they actually don't. We don't know yet what they are this year, but I'm assuming it's going to be the same three. Um, and then I would do as many of the national series races as I can, um, and it would be my goal to be top ten in the national series. Nice, I like it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. For the okay, so yeah, so there's still time for that, ideally, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, if those races all happen, but. Who knows? Um, very cool. I like that. And so you have a podcast you guys have started recently, right? Yeah. Dave Claxton and I started a podcast, Obstacle Fitness Crossover. Cool. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Um, and the and you guys, are, you kind of talk about the whole scope of the sport, right? Kind of like with the goings on yeah. about, you know, what's upcoming and the kind of how to prepare for events, having cool athlete interviews and things. Yeah. Yeah. We're just, we're kind of covering a lot of it. Cause we've done, we have had our hands in like different things with high rocks and we had Yancey on talking about DECA. And so it's all just all things obstacle and functional fitness related. 
Very cool. Very cool. So make sure to check that out. Where can people find you on like social? Um, so if you look at Bethany McChess, so Bethany and then M-C-C-H-E-S, and then all the links to our podcasts are, I have a link tree in my profile. Cool. I'll make sure to, to link to all that just so people know where to find it because I, this was great. I really, really enjoyed chatting with you and, and appreciate you sharing everything. And so I'm looking forward to seeing what you got going on for 2021 in all aspects for, and hopefully how's the, how's the gym situation? What do you got? Where are you guys at? Well, we were just able to open again um, on Monday. So everyone's really excited to be back. What's that? It's like, you're just starting to reopen. Yeah. And we're only allowed nine people in the gym right now. Well, congrats. That's good. (laughs) Yeah, thanks. But yeah, so we were kind of, because, you know, down here is everything is, seems to be state by state, city by city. Everybody's just kind of like a free for all. There's no like way to do it down here. It's just like, We'll see. So um, we kind of went in and out of that where when the winter came, they shut things down again. Like, um, and they've slowly started to kind of open back up. Yeah. So, so it's gotta be a tough time. So (laughs) I'm glad, I'm glad you guys are, but I mean, the way you guys are kind of handling it ideally now is that it will just be forward progress as to us. We were kind of oscillating back and forth and just hoping things would work. So hopefully now you guys will be like kind of more in the clear. Yeah, that's the hope. Yeah. What's the vaccine situation? Um, it's being ruled out. It, there's been some complications with getting it out. Um, it's just happening a lot slower than they had hoped for. So, but people are getting it. Yeah, just kind of wait and see. Yeah, it's just not happening fast. Yeah, it just doesn't seem to be anything. I mean, there is no infrastructure, obviously. So it's like just trying to figure out how that's all going to work. Is it's going to be, it's going to be a bit of a haul. But, yeah, and it's new territory for everything. So people are just figuring things out as they go. Yeah, so you got to take everything with a grain of salt. It's like we, ideally we'd have it worked out perfectly, but no one knows what to do, <laughs> and that's just the that's just the the way that this year has been. Yeah. Um, cool, Bethany. All right. Thank you very much.